Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric, and here to, I assume, accept the award for best title double feature is Michael Kester. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. We actually, we've got a couple victories. One is definitely a best double feature title, which is Anatomy of a Murder and the Act of Killing. Brutal, brutal title. But also, I mean, this is, we're definitely at least nominated for Strongest Pair today, I think. How did this get here? Did you do this? This is your doing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't, I, I, it's, this is, so there's sort of like this, you know, when we're, when we're pairing movies on double feature, there's a myriad of reasons that movies will get paired or brought up or whatever. Next week um, is a really easy one. Next week, somebody went, do this movie. And we went, okay, we'll pair it with something. So this week is, this is, is and this is a recurring pair theme. Michael went back through the uh, list of directors from Cecil B. Demented. No kidding. And went, oh, we never did an Otto Preminger. How could you not do an Otto Preminger? So uh, I kind of like dug through some Otto Preminger, liked Anatomy of a Murder as, a, as sort of this idea. I hadn't seen it, didn't realize it was like a court procedural, um, but it was great. And then I was like, what is another movie that deals with getting away with murder, but not in the normal way. And I thought about this documentary that I watched way back when its sequel came out. So Draft House put out um, The Sound of Silence. Um, the Look of Silence is the name. The Look, right, the look of Silence. The Glasses. The, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, as soon as somebody tells me that it is the sequel to another film, I have to go find that movie. I watched The Act of Killing. Still have not seen The Look of Silence. So stay tuned for double feature. Is here. The Look of Silence sequel or prequel? I don't know how you do a prequel. I'm not sure which came out first. Oh, Act of Killing is first. Oh, really? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought they were in the other order, but I haven't seen The Look of Silence yeah. yet. I'm not sure you can do a prequel to a documentary. That's an interesting, well, <laughs> that's an interesting experiment. But uh, I, guess, I guess all documentaries that are about previous things are prequels to this documentary. I don't know. If you go on Netflix and just type in documentary plus tapes, you'll find about 55 documentaries. Great. That are just like the auto Preminger tapes. And I just like to assume those are all like part of a series that I haven't seen and not just the algorithm generating new movies on the fly. Yeah. Like, I don't know, take a random serial killer that you were obsessed with in ninth grade and add <laughs> tapes to the end. People will watch it. So I think today we're going to, we are talking about getting away with murder, but we're talking about getting away with murder within sort of the envelope of it feeling like it's okay. Uh-huh. That I think is the, that is because there's, there's sort of this, you know, getting away with murder that lives in the normal, um, the normal like uh, crime porn of, oh, the husband got away with it too. But you like, everybody knows the husband's guilty and he's a bad guy and he's slimy and eventually, you know, the jinx. But um, 
But both of these films... Which movie has more jinx in it today? <laughs> I, that's a good, actually, that's obvious. Uh, but both of these movies uh, sort of... One, the movie itself thinks, hey, it'd be dope if this guy didn't get convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. And the other movie, everybody in the movie is like, for the majority of the movie, is like, you know, we just killed a bunch of people, like, for kicks. And that... Both of these movies kind of are gross. Gross is a, a good word for this. I think the um, the idea of morality. Yeah. Every fucking episode, the idea of morality, but especially on today's episode, thinking about where the the moral lines are, especially the contrast of where you think, how you think morality will play out, and then how you actually feel and really diving into what's what's okay and what's not here. You'll know right from the log lines, but we are going to divide them up. And we also have a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash double feature. That's where you go to draw your own moral boundaries, I guess, in the comments. Perhaps the, there's perhaps there's a certain moral dubiousness to enjoying our show every week, but not supporting it. I don't know. Maybe wow. that's a thing. <laughs> wow. I like that better. That's nice. Maybe we should just uh, delete everything that's on the Patreon and replace the whole description with that. Um. Wow. What What could you even <laughs> say after that? All right, go on the goddamn Patreon and put a nickel into whatever and keep this fucking show alive. We have what, three episodes or something left? Yeah, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's not even that if we can't get this it's fucking true. Patreon going. I, you know, it's it's always a roller coaster with this because it's like, I think, oh my God, we're done. And then somebody swoops in and they put in just enough that it's not enough to do the show, but enough for me to be like, I don't need to have a serious sit down with Michael about the end of the show yet. We can postpone this. And then uh, that person, I don't know, they die or I'm not sure what happens to them, but they're no longer there the next month. Right, right. You guys give me a heart attack. I love you, but you give me a heart attack. Right. Go on the Patreon. I mean, one of two options is that they, uh, they raped a man's wife and are murdered. The other is that they were a communist in Indonesia. Maybe that's what happened to them. I see. You want to bring it back to the movies. I see. They're spoilers. That's just, okay. It's sort of our thing. <laughs> <laughs> Anatomy of a Murder, logline this movie for me. I think you kind of just did. Yeah, um, a down and out good old boy American lawyer defends a man who um, perhaps righteously murdered another man for raping the first man's wife. I'm going to see if this changes things, and maybe it doesn't. I don't know that our protagonist is down and out so much as just kind of like enjoying his fishing vacation. Yeah. You well, get the I, impression I that I, he's so, like on the outs. I get, but I do, but only because I think sort of conditioned to the aforementioned uh, late stage capitalism, uh-huh. the fact that he is not being productive makes me feel like he is not being valuable. Mm, interesting. You know what I mean? So, because especially when you think about how the perception of um, lawyers are in modern media, it's like if you're not actively out there, better call sawing the fuck out of some shit. Uh-huh. You're basically not even 
valuable asset to society. So the fact that he's a lawyer that could be lawyering and maybe the fact that he's a lawyer that's this good that could be lawyering and is instead out trout fishing. I mean, you want to talk about moral ambiguity. What could this guy be doing if he wasn't trout fishing? Does it matter? Is that his job? Well, we do know they're kind of behind their bills a bit, or at least not paying the woman in their office. That's what I mean. He's He doesn't seem like... He doesn't seem like he's out there being a maverick defense attorney. Yeah, I always uh, I always try to keep in check, especially with a movie this old, how twisted it is by my modern perspective and if I'm I'm not just completely, you know, deranging the meaning of this. Well, I was going to say that is um that's what makes this movie gross, like I said before, is this movie is from a time and a place and a world and a nation where the law would have a man put away for defending the honor of his wife. Can you believe it? Uh-huh. That's, that's what this movie wants you to feel. This yeah. movie wants you to feel like, like this was a just vengeance that some pesky laws would have this man be taken to task for. Yeah. But I, as a human in the 21st century, think murder bad Mm. and murderer go jail. (laughs) That's my opinion. Well, part of trying to figure out the read on the movie is this idea, of course, of the end justifies the means. And how much of that we see in the film. So, you know, even even before we get into the real thematic stuff, just the idea that they're not paying the woman in the office or behind on the bills, it's sort of like, okay, well, which is it? Are they behind on the bills? Are they not taking any money? Is it because of the good-hearted nature and they just don't collect like they should? Or... Are they simply taking advantage of, you know, everyone, every way they can? Because I don't know that this is a kind of hard of gold story. So, and, and I guess that's really what I want to talk to you about with this movie. So our lawyer, Paul, is kind of an interesting guy. He goes through this movie finding, you know, against impossible odds, really. His client seems, uh, I think, I want to try to really get the legal line of this right, but I think has definitely murdered someone. I don't think anyone's arguing that. He shot him, and I don't think there's any, you know, any um, uh, contending that. So he outlines the possible ways that somebody gets off of a murder charge, and that's how they kind of work their way backwards and figure out like, well, if this is going to go well for my client, how's it going to go? So already that's a, a little dubious to me, but I'm really trying to figure out this character, Paul. I'm trying to figure out if this is somebody, I guess, I guess maybe it's best to look at his traits, right? So as a character, what makes him really interesting to me is he's got this folksy kind of demeanor this outer layer that would that's very unassuming or um you know when you have a conversation with this guy you wouldn't know that inside is this sharp legal mind this person who you know we don't really see him uh it's not like he's failing upwards at any point here 
It's not like he trips backwards into the right answer or really that any of his success comes from luck or fortune. It's all him doing the work. It's them going and studying the texts. It's um, the, you know, the footwork he puts in going and having conversations and trying to convince people of things. And then the way that he carries himself in court is sort of this like elaborate choreographed, you know, dance he's doing that is supposed to look like total fucking genius by the time they get to the end. Right. So I just want to stop on that for a second because, you know, this idea of an unassuming person who is at like the peak of their game, this is one of the things that really makes Anatomy of a Murder special to me because I remember seeing this movie growing up and being like the weird looking kid in engineering school or, you know, you go to do a job or whatever. And I, I assume life was very similar for you because you look like a bit of a weirdo and you managed to get into school and, you know, hold things down. And one of the things I always really loved about that and kind of like the, um, impetus the right word the motivation for the aesthetic is having people kind of like um underestimate underestimate yeah exactly exactly like sort of underestimate the person they're getting into a conversation with now as i get older i'm around more and more people who are like experts at what they do and i find that this is having like diminishing returns because I can no longer walk into something and be like, oh, these people don't get that I'm really fucking good at this. Now I'm, I think, a lot more humbled probably by time. But also I might just be around people in a different discipline who happen to be really fucking good. So I no longer have the personal confidence that like, oh, I, I may look like an idiot, but wait till they see what I can do. Like that doesn't really, that's not really part of my life anymore. But man, growing up, it totally was. And so I like that about this character. I like that, you know, and he knows that about himself too, right? He hits that in the trial. He talks all the time about like, whoa, hey, I'm just a little country lawyer going against these, you know, the big city, the right. big guns. Like that's a big, a big part of his, uh, his demeanor, I think. Yeah, I mean, so the thing about this lawyer is that while he says things like, I'm just a small country lawyer or whatever, uh, he, he's using everything as a tool. Um, he doesn't, I mean, like, it feels like even his delivery is almost tongue-in-cheek when he says, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a country lawyer. Wow. And he's always, like, sort of side-glancing at the, uh, the dad from Hardcore. It it all just seems like a dog and pony show, but it it seems like that from the beginning when he's first approached to defend his client, and he's basically like, "Yeah, did you kill him?" And he's like, "Yeah, I killed him." He's like, "Okay, well, there's only there's only four ways to or three ways to not get in trouble for killing somebody, and you don't uh, you don't fit any of those bills, so we're gonna basically have to lie." I mean, that's that I for some reason. The crux of the whole thing is, did you murder him? Yes, I did. Okay, well, we're going to have to lie so that you uh, didn't. Yeah. You know, so they use, they use what is now essentially just the well-trodden path of temporary insanity. 
Yeah, you have to have a good reason for murdering someone. That's basically, they have to make you like super mad, not normal mad, but like super mad. Right. No, I mean, I don't, I don't really mean to make a claim on like how the law should operate in these circumstances. You don't want to make a federal case of it. <laughs> Thanks. I am more curious. I kind of see this as a movie about a guy who, you know, it, it seems like it seems bad to even have this read of the movie, but I think he's literally going to do whatever it takes to win. Right. You know, we don't see him deliberately, like he seems to operate within the boundaries of the law, of course, but things like, uh, Convincing his client to plead insanity. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's walking him right up to what he think he thinks he can get away with. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that is always really fascinating to me about the legal system, right, is that there's a I don't know which amendment it is because I'm a bad American, but you know, the one that's like, you get a lawyer no matter what. Uh, that one. Uh-huh, yeah. So that person, you know, that lawyer, it's their job at, at, you know, at an amendment level to defend this person. And if this person is guilty, what is their job? I mean, who are they serving, right? It's very, it's always been very interesting to me. And a, a court appoint, not, not, you know, not somebody that you you hire yourself because I feel like that, and then that is what's going on in this movie. But I'm just the the idea of a court appointed individual who's defending an individual who walks in and says, "Yeah, I totally killed that guy." Well, I guess I mean more. Okay, so I don't even know if that's a great example the the pleading insanity. So let's disregard that because I think the specifics of like how but you... But how can you possibly just disregard something if you've already heard it? Thank you. Okay, perfect fucking example. <laughs> so he knows by the rules of the game, you can't do this, but he knows outside of those rules, this is what happens in practice and that's going to be advantageous to him. And so I guess what it reminds me a little more of when I was talking about like seeing this through a very modern context, you know, we've all become insanely familiar with we've always known about politicians who will break the law and get away with it we've always known about that but there's sort of this new idea of well politicians don't do this but it's not exactly against the law what they're doing is perfectly legal it's just frowned upon Mm -hmm. and there is this idea of seizing ultimate power that has cropped up in recent years, which is essentially like, oh, so no one's ever done this before. It's completely unprecedented. It would look insanely bad. It's a cardinal sin. Is it illegal? No. Okay, I'm definitely doing it. Consider it done. I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know, it's like uh, not seating Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, do I have the power to do this? well, I suppose technically you could do that, but it would really be against the spirit of what we're trying to do. Okay, yes, well, then I'm doing it and I will do it every fucking time, right? no matter what. It's just seizing ultimate power. And that kind of spirit may have been, I wonder if it was viewed as perhaps more cunning, you know? Sure. Upholding the law back then. Whereas today, I just, I look at it and it's like, that's the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law to say things to juries because, you know, people can't unhear something. Well, I mean, I think, you know, back in in the time that 
Anatomy of a Murder came out, the court and and the law and all of that stuff, you know, we didn't have the raging liberalism that we do today that re- that like relies on the legal system to hopefully like make changes or uphold progress. Mm-hmm. And back then, even at the court level, it was very much, you know, the legal system was viewed as an extension of the government and, you know, that's, you don't need the government getting their hands in your business. You know, there's, it's, I know it was only, you know, 60, 70 years ago, but there was still a wild westism about like, I, you know, we're smart enough to handle our own nonsense. We don't need uncle Sam coming in here and telling us who's guilty and who Mm -hmm. isn't. Mm -hmm. It's, it's why, you know, similarly a movie like shaft could be coming out and everybody would be like, yeah, that cop gets shit done. And if you made yeah. a verbatim movie today that wasn't called Shaft, you'd have to make it about police corruption. I don't, I'm not necessarily convinced that it's not a good idea to seize ultimate power at all, at all times. You know, I'm, I'm almost frustrated that a lot of the like political figures that I rely on don't seize ultimate power. Sure. And, you know, this is, this is one of the divides of how things happen in the United States that's very frustrating to me. So I'm not really sure what side of that divide I'm on, but I think there's never going to be a better time to uh, make a transition to the necessary gangsters of society, right? <laughs> I mean, because that's exactly what you're talking about in the act of killing, you know, this idea that, uh, that is also very familiar that, oh, the law does one thing, but we really need gangsters for this other thing. I don't think that's the central idea of the act of killing, but it's, uh, it's part of the framework that allows the Indonesian genocide and doesn't seem to have been, that framework doesn't seem to have been fixed. There's so many lessons not learned since then. But the focus of this movie is really these um the people who committed the genocide so i'll see if i can give you a log line and i want to talk about this log line because it's so fucking crazy to me i'm going to kind of pitch this to you as a as a, a movie i have an idea for what i want to do is i want to go talk to the people who committed the indonesian genocide right for my documentary and ask them how they perceive it And then I would like to, as faithfully as I can as a filmmaker, recreate the image they have of themselves in all its iconic glory in a series of scenes of various genres. It'll be fun. You know, maybe we'll do like a crime one. We'll do a musical one. And uh, just really whatever they want to write. It's really, they're they're the true directors here. Yeah. Uh, I just want to faithfully portray their heroic genocide. So, so it's like, it's kind of fucking crazy to... It's nuts. Because inherent in the logline, it, you know, this is not an evil movie right on the surface. Right. Well, you can make your own moral conclusions about whatever. But I don't look at this as a movie that's like, we really want to give voice to the people who committed the genocide. But right in the kind of like, what is this movie about? It does not tell you on the surface... I guess I'm, what I'm getting at is like, why the fuck would you do that? Right. You know, like I look at, oh, so you're going to reenact the way they'd like to portray themselves. Uh, no, why would you do that? 
That sounds awful. And so I guess that's the most wonderful thing about this movie is that you sit there and it's sort of like, well, you'll see why I want to do that once I make the movie. Right. We're all going to learn something very insightful. And I, as an audience member, when you promise me that that's going to happen, I could not for the life of me imagine what that's going to be. What is the valuable, like of what societal value is performing this experiment? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that one of the things about that whole idea and the experiment that is the movie is I don't know if I don't know if even the people in charge of making this movie had the foresight of understanding that it was going to go really the best way it possibly could go. I mean, the fact that the fact that you have sort of this like built-in subplot of like, you know, people want to be, they want to kill people like they do in the movies, the old Marilyn Manson hit. Oh, wow. Um, Who knew uh, this would be the most controversial thing you say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or also that somebody would, somebody that one of the, one of the higher up, one of the higher up people in the government would realize through his reenactment that what he did was probably not so good. I mean, it's, it's really like, I think, I think the thing is, is that the people who set out to make this movie are like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a 30 foot high dive and we're going to put a six foot circle of water at the bottom. And then we're going to do a triple axle, double backflip, no splash dive into the water. And the audience shows up going, maybe they won't, and it'll be a total catastrophe. And then they do. And I think everybody, even the people diving off the board, are going, holy shit, we actually pulled it off. If they had an inkling that what they would get out of this would be of some like socially redeemable quality... What do you think those conversations, like what do you think they're sitting there in their own inner circle hoping that this becomes? My guess is that they're hoping that it amounts to what the movie sort of starts with, mm-hmm. which is just a sort of portrait of people who think that what they did wasn't so bad and here's their, here's why, here's not even here's why this happens, not even the necessarily morality of it, but how does this happen and go unchecked? Mm. And I think that is, that's the beginning of what the movie is about, is literally how did it happen? How, how was this? And man, it's crazy because, you know, you have the sort of opening sequence of like the musical number, which is very bizarre when you don't know what you're watching. Yeah. But Man, like one of the things that's really crazy is the scene where they they show what I assume is the most truly vivid um, portion of the massacre, which is when they sort of like burn that village. Yes. And on one hand, right, my brain is going, wow, this looks just like Full Metal Jacket. Wow, this looks just like all those war movies, you know, of people killing villagers in Vietnam. But on the other hand... I'm going, this actually seems even more realistic than those movies. Yeah, yeah. To the point where when they when they sort of end the filming sequence and it shows the extras laying on the ground, I'm like, are, are they actually dead? Oh, yeah. Did they actually yeah. kill more people for this scene? 
it's 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 really so vivid to the point that I even start to question like did did we actually just watch the real thing? Well, there's a few times in the documentary that I I kind of I'm reminded that some of the people in this movie may have killed, you know, a thousand people. Right. And that were you know this um this idea of like this sort of crew that goes out with the the, the man bites dog thing, right? Or the mm-hmm. um I mean any number of documentaries that are about going and talking to a dangerous person is that they may not have stopped being a dangerous person. Or even right. that their disregard for life might be you know, who knows what what enables a person to kill a thousand humans but it doesn't sound like someone who's safe to be around. Right. And it sounds like somebody who, you know, they don't value human life and it may be very simple for them to just disregard one almost by accident. So, you know, every time they go to reenact a killing, I'm like, they're not really pulling that wire, right? Or they're not, you know, in this unorchestrated massacre, cannibal Holocaust scene at the end where all of these amateur filmmakers and untrained, you know, non-actors are running around with, I assume, very real weapons. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be so easy for a person to accidentally lose their life. Totally. Not to make the act of killing about like onset safety protocols or what the fuck ever, but it goes through your mind. Yeah, and it's absolutely insane that sort of by the end of the movie, somehow and for some reason, my brain goes, these guys are probably done killing. Oh yeah, well that's the other thing is, you know, there's, go ahead. There's sort of this like weird, there's this weird reality that creeps in as the movie is going that you really do understand that they think that what they did was for good reason mm. and the people they killed did need to die, but that it isn't this sort of, and again, this could be maybe the failing of the movie, but it doesn't seem like they're out there murder mongering the people of Indonesia. Yeah. It seems like they, that they, they, it was a necessary, you know, you, you mentioned ends justify the means on the previous film. It just seems like that. And now they're all going like, and now that we're done with that, we can just have a nice Indonesian nation. Well, yeah, they all seem very harmless, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of the danger of doing something like this is you just, of course, make monsters seem human through the power of film, power of propaganda. I'm still terrified of them. But, yeah, well, I think yeah. I think when you set out to do this, in my mind, if you were to defend this as an experiment, you might start with the idea of like, all right, if I was going to ask, uh, you know, okay, we've already hit on this question. How does someone murder a thousand people? Well, maybe if I allow them to put on a play about it, I could get some kind of insight into their mind. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get the insight, at least it'll look farcical. Right, mm-hmm. we might get a bunch of uh, almost like sketch comedy type. Look at how this right. warlord views themselves. Aren't they almost like a Baghdad Bob kind of? You know, they would just be buffoonish right. figures, or we would see, you know, that these total monsters think they're gods or think they're you know heroes or whatever. So in my mind, that's one place we could start. And then what I don't, what I don't imagine happening which is like the greatest ends we could get to, is that these people who are not able to feel any empathy eventually 
through the power of filmmaking, come around to stepping into someone else's shoes. Right. It literally, literally. forces them to... Um, well, it does what what everybody would ask them in a in a rhetorical kind of argument to do is can't you imagine can't you you know think of the people you're killing and how must they feel and while those words mean nothing to them there are almost literal scenes where someone will sit down and go wow the people I was killing what must they have felt you know this idea that there are other humans who also have feelings and emotions and they're not just like NPCs that you're bludgeoning to death. Right. It seems to be an epiphany that dawns on the guy we make it through the whole film with. I mean, I, I kind of I find it kind of interesting the way we almost start losing people as the film goes on. Mm-hmm. Like they either hit their realization or or you know what I notice a lot of is as people see themselves portrayed they start waking up to like, almost like they've never looked in a mirror before. Right. And so now for the first time, they're going like, oh man, they start out going, we want to tell it like it really was. That's what's really important. And then they, you know, they tell it like it really is, which is something I hear all the time in, in like when people get serial killers to talk or get a, you know, mm-hmm. even in journalism where, where somebody lands an interview with some sort of like, terrible figure it's always we want you to be able to tell the story as it really Your happened side of the story and right. and these people so hounded by the media and what they see as disinformation and all oh, people are so unfair to me they always seem to fucking fall for this like yeah i, I want the truth to get out there i want people to know what it's really like mm-hmm. but these guys once they start crafting their version of the truth there is a realization where they go Oh, but then people will know what really happened, and that'll right. will will look fucking terrible. Well, there's also this there's also this other layer of this that we haven't hit on yet, um, which is that these guys have, for all intents and purposes, gotten away with this whole thing mm-hmm. because I don't know about you, uh, maybe maybe I am unique in this experience, but uh, if I hadn't watched the act of killing. I would not know that these guys killed a ton of Indonesian people and were still in power. Yeah. It's just not information that made it to me over here in the United States. Uh, and so the, the sheer fact that they were down to do a documentary, you know, sort of like you're saying, maybe defending their actions, it really seems like the best, the best thing they could have done if they didn't want if they didn't want any flack was to just stop talking about the fact that they murdered thousands of people. Yeah. But they don't think they did anything wrong. <laughs> well, there's, there's no more surreal moment in the whole movie to me than when they're basically on their equivalent of like fucking good morning America promoting, mm-hmm. you know, they're in yes. an appearance to promote the film talking about how their own killings were inspired by the movies. And everyone goes, oh, that's an interesting Mm -hmm. anecdote and applauds and like, oh, wow, you like movies too. You're just like us. Now, granted, the the whole thing is is staffed with like flunkies. So, of course, everybody applauds. But this is a fucking fluff piece. And they're going on it talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, when I was doing all those killings I'm famous for, it was really the movies that were in my heart. Right. I mean, God, any number of the the sort of like 
You know, for a massacre, what you really need is jeans, a thick pant. You want a thick pant. Mm -hmm. The mundane nature that they talk about this with, mm -hmm. it, it would almost be, I mean, I guess it is surreal, but there's also just so many pangs of kind of, um, I remember, okay, so one of the guys talks about how he's walking down the street killing every single Chinese person he sees, goes up and kills another and another. And he is telling this anecdote because it, he's got this little pithy thing at the end where he's like, oh, what a great day because I get to go kill my girlfriend's father. He's like at the end of my line of killings. And he tells this like it's a, a you know, fucking story that dudes tell sitting around with cigars. But in the very nature of this story is like, well, he's killing his girlfriends. You know, he's going through and killing every Chinese person because they think Chinese people are bad. He's killing his girlfriend's Chinese father because his girlfriend, who is also Chinese, and it's like the baked-in hypocrisy of that mm -hmm. is at first incredibly stunning to me, but then is also like, oh, no, this isn't stunning. This is how this shit always goes. Right. It's always like, oh, I'm... I'm going to rally against immigrants. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your wife's an immigrant. Right. Just like, I mean, this is exactly how these assholes always work, is they go out and they accuse their opponents of being the things, the very things that they are. You know, this is, this is now terribly familiar, I guess, but... So part of it is seeing themselves represented, you know, in their little plays and their little scenes. I think another part is like watching the real-time damage it does to their actors and volunteers. Mm -hmm. After that massacre scene you mentioned, I mean, like people are visibly fucked up from having done it. Um, we watch one of the guys in charge who, who kind of like <laughs> looks very distressed as... Uh, as this is going on, the guy who like comes in, the charismatic guy to speak to all the soldiers or whatever. Right. And then at the end is kind of like, yeah. um, I just want to distance myself from what just happened because this is really not, not good and would look bad for us. I mean, still use it, I guess, still use it. But, you know, I just want you to know that this is right. maybe just the worst version of us. Anyways, got to go. And it's like, even in that moment, he can't tear himself away enough to go, this is absolutely not who we are. Even their, their seemingly more modern leader is still going, no, 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 definitely show us as right. vicious savages. Yeah, Just don't, don't feel like good about it when you show it, but just go ahead and sure. put that out there. Yeah. Like there are facets to us, and while this is one of them, we are like a diamond. Oh my god! But it it really is. I I feel like the last tableau is you know this guy playing the victim in the scene, mm -hmm. and that that there is some like profound fucked up thing that happens to him. But oddly, even though he kind of like wants to stop the scene on the day, he's like looking for his fucking safe word he gets really excited to watch the footage back and sure. figuring out, you know, this is the thing you're never supposed to acknowledge with stuff like this, but figuring out what makes people like this tick is the interesting piece of it. It's the reason for it to exist because we all sit here and go, how could somebody like that work? And I feel like the, the very in-the-moment sensibility 
his uh, or, or in vogue sensibility, I guess, is to go, no, fuck those monsters. Don't give them any time. Don't think about them. Don't utter their names. Not to go, let's sit down and study them. Aren't they interesting? You know, as like examples of human psychopathy or whatever, you know, sure. who, who've had such uh, individual experiences as to be genocidal warlords. It's not something we have a lot of in, you know, in, to, I mean, we have plenty of it, don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> you know, it's not every day you meet a person who is at the extreme end of just the worst crimes that could be, you know, the, the most evil people on the planet, right? The people who have just done the most calculated wrong. And so it's, it's interesting for me to see this guy still like want to look at the footage and like show it to his kids or whatever. Like that's really fucking, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there all the time going like, what is the motivation of these people in this moment? Why are they agreeing to this? Why are they doing this? And I still feel like I leave without understanding a lot of, you know, what makes them tick. But it is interesting seeing like his own epiphany as he realizes, oh, what the, what this must be like for, you know, for a person outside my body. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is like one of the new taboos that maybe we don't talk about, but this is an interesting movie to exist just because uh, I think right now people say one thing and do another. They, they like enjoying true crime. It's a statistically formulaic, tried and true. You just put true crime on anything and people watch it. But they will not say aloud that they're interested in figuring out who the killers are or what's going on. Sure. It's okay to watch all the true crime, but you have to say, and it should just be the victims we talk to. It should be, basically, we should platform victims. I just want two hours of a person who was a victim of a crime to just tell me how bad it was, and I'll watch it as my own punishment for being alive on Earth. Right. It just feels like a bunch of people saying they watch pornography for the story or something. I'm yeah, just like, for sure. Why are we all lying as a society? It's sure. It's okay to look at insane, awful people and go, God, how could someone be so insane and awful? We don't, you know, look at what we could do in the act of killing by sitting down. There's no talking to the victims in this movie. Mm-mm. There's no, let's go discuss with the families who should get the time. There's none of that because that's a very modern sensibility. It's literally a movie where we sit down with the killers mm-hmm. and we give them the most platform they could ever want, enough platform yeah. to fucking hang themselves with. We give them a fucking with. budget. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Set design, they have production design. Maybe not yeah. much, but yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to make a moral case for that on the show, that we can actually learn something that is good for humanity by hearing what psychopaths have to say. And I do think this is a, you know, I know I'm standing out here alone on stuff like this, but I do think this is a new taboo that we're not supposed to, we're supposed to see somebody who's crazy and just look the other way and, uh, and not go, oh, Ted Bundy, what a weird, interesting figure, what made him tick. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, also the monkey eating the corpse is the most fucked up thing we've ever watched on Double Feature. All those little monkeys, <laughs> that's, I don't know, it's so disturbing. Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Joachim Vernon. We see you there on the Patreon. Thanks for joining up and helping the show. 
all I got to say about that, executive producers. Man, it just dawned on me that we might be disappointing a ton of people by naming these two movies. Um, one of the things they that everybody be. loves to they hate. They shouldn't be. One of the things that everybody loves to hate on Double Feature is the fact that video games exist. And so next week on Double Feature, fuck those people. We're going to do Silent Hill and Super Mario Bros. Uh, the the first Silent Hill movie from like was that 06 or something and um, the only as far as I'm as far as I know the only live action Super Mario Bros movie to be made um, with Dennis Hopper it's the one with Dennis Hopper but there's even a bigger wrinkle to this that is what uh, when we had this conversation about putting this on the show toward the end of the year yeah which is that I want to do the Morton Jenkel cut of Super Mario Brothers. That's right. That's right. So you can see the website if you want to get more information or just search for this. Morton, M-O-R-T-O-N. I think Jenkel is J-A-N-K-E-L. But you'll find this. This is, maybe you've seen Super Mario Brothers. You know, maybe you're a Dennis Hopper completionist. John Leguizamo. Look, we'll, we'll talk about it all next time. But Bob Hoskins. Thank you. This is not the Super Mario Brothers you remember this restores the the prostitution and the r-rated language and completely changes the tone and certainly the fucking aesthetic of this movie as now everything looks like garbage vhs but it is on at least right this second on the internet archive you can download this cut of the movie and that's part of the whole story too uh, but it's the movie unlike you've probably ever seen it. And then Silent Hill, like somebody has to talk about this goddamn movie and it should be us. Watch more fucking film. Okay, bye. <laughs>